0: Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin.
1: We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you.
0: We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Hi, Terry.
1: Hello, Bridget. So while it could be convincingly argued that every episode of a depression podcast addresses suicide prevention, since shared stories of life with a mental health challenge reduce stigma and let us all know we're not alone and that things can and really do get better? During Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, we're going to be a little more direct.
0: Last week as we heard Bob's story, episode 153, how the lies I believed led me to attempt suicide, we were reminded of the many others who have bravely shared their stories of having suicidal thoughts, including several who acted on them and survived, and others who have suffered the shock of sudden loss when their loved ones ended their
1: lives. They can be hard stories to share and hear, but they're important stories, because how many opportunities does someone actually have to hear how other people handle suicidal ideations, or how they came back from an attempt or carried on after a loss? It can be hard enough to talk about depression. Suicide? Yeah, that's even tougher.
0: Which is why, Terry, we're going to spend the next three weeks recapping the more than 50 suicide prevention episodes that we have in our archives. Because while one story can have great impact, knowing there are dozens to choose from carries its own powerful message. You are not alone. One hundred percent of the attempt survivors we've talked with are glad they are alive and are living lives worth living. Don't worry about writing down episode names as you listen. We'll link to each one mentioned in this episode's
1: description. We begin with an episode with guest Mark Hennick. He's done TED Talks about his suicide attempt as a teen. How a person can get to that point about the blinders depression puts on you that makes it hard, if not impossible, to see other options than the terrible one you're contemplating. Millions of people have watched them, millions, trying to understand what suicide is and what it's not. In Suicide Myths and Misconceptions, we talked with Mark about a number of things being suicidal is not, including just a cry for help, completely out of the blue, something you can't stop once their mind is made up, Or the pervasive belief that suicide is selfish. Uh, I see where it comes from that you're not thinking or people think that you're not thinking of uh, the impact that it has on those around you. You're only thinking of yourself. Well, I would push back on that certainly based in my own experience. I I can't speak to everybody's, but I was thinking about my family when I was standing on the edge of the bridge and, and every other time before that. I was thinking about how it would help them, how it would be the best thing for them uh, if they didn't have to deal with me anymore, the trouble that was me. So I thought I was doing them a favor. And really in some ways, it, and it's a, a skewed view of things, but that's the definition of a mental illness practically, um, I thought that I was doing something good for them. That's the opposite of selfish. So I, I think that people um, who, who believe that just don't take the time to get inside the head of somebody who's in that place. The benefit of getting in someone's head is that now you know. Now, in addition to looking for the warning signs being posted across media this month, including someone talking about death, feeling hopeless and like a burden, having or researching how to get lethal means, and feeling alone in the world, you now know to ask a question that most of us have never thought to ask. In addition to, are you suicidal or are you thinking of killing yourself... And yes, it is best to ask those questions directly. We also now know to ask, does any part of you think that you would be doing me, them, us a favor by dying? Because that answer could give you the information you need to help save a loved one's life.
0: We routinely recommend putting the Suicide Prevention Lifeline number 800-273-TALK or 800-273-8255 in your phone so that if you ever need to talk to someone right now, you have 24/7 access. Another good reason to have the number handy is because you might need it for someone else. What would you do if someone bravely shared that they were suicidal? Even those of us with crisis training might not feel confident in that situation, but you can always dial the hotline. Put the call on speaker and say I'm with someone in crisis and I don't know how to help them, and I don't know what to say. And the trained listeners will take it from there. We talked with the Lifeline's director, Dr. John Draper, one of the nation's leading experts in crisis intervention, about how calling actually helps.
2: While certainly a lot of problems may seem insurmountable, What we know is when a person feels like they're not doing it alone, they feel like they can perhaps get through it another day and then another day after that. And before you know it, they're feeling a lot better. In fact, what we found with the research on the lifeline is that not only does a caller feel better by the end of the call, but when they followed up with the caller three weeks later, they felt better still. Um, and I think that's just a function of the crisis state, that that when you are really in that dark place and you feel like there's no way out, there's also nowhere else to go but up. And so when you begin to open a few lights in that darkness, um, the light spreads over time as you begin to, to come out of crisis. So uh, that's just, I think, the nature of crisis states and why it's important to have somebody connect with somebody in that moment.
1: Isn't that interesting, Bridget, three weeks later, you still feel some relief from talking to a stranger on an 800 number?
0: Absolutely. To hear the full episode, look for the link to National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And we remind you, you do not have to be suicidal to call.
1: Dr. Draper says only one quarter of callers are. So if you're listening right now and thinking that a crisis line is a really nice service and all, but you're doubting it could actually help you in a suicidal crisis, we urge you to think again. Our podcast guest, Corinne, felt that same way. Glad they exist, but not for me, she thought. After all, she had close friends and family.
3: Before the crisis in which I did dial the hotline number, I think I also shared a lot of kind of ignorant misconceptions about what it was for. I thought that they were effective resources for people who didn't have other people to talk to, a, th- a, a situation where maybe they've, the you know, family that is supposed to have cared for them has rejected them in some way, or there is some sort of situation where they're, they're not able to tell anyone else in their life about what's going on.
1: But one terrible day, Corinne left her house with the intention of taking her life. While she sat in her car, sobbing, her will to live reminded her, there's a number you can call to talk to someone any time, day or night, when you're searching for anything, from connection to hope to words. She asked the crisis line listener what she should do, and he said drive right to the hospital, which she could literally see from her car. She asked what she should say when she got there, and he said, tell them you're having a psychological
3: emergency. And just having the language to describe something makes a huge difference. Um, it makes it makes such a huge difference to be able to know that there are words to describe this thing you're going going through. And there are words you can use to ask for help um, that people will understand and that other people have used before. It's not this weird, crazy thing that has never happened to anyone. Um, And that was wonderful, and it was just one of the most generous things that you know that a human has ever done for me. And they don't let you find out. They, I've asked, they can't, they can't tell me who who he was. But um, broadly, to everybody who does this work, I mean, I can't. I I, there's there's just not enough. Thank you. Um, It's just really, it's just a really generous thing to do for other humans.
1: That full episode is called "Crisis Lines Save Lives." The
3: other
0: crisis line available in the U.S. 24 seven every single day is the crisis text line 741741 741, for a number of reasons, including privacy. No one can overhear a text conversation, right? Some people prefer texting to calling. It's also kind of an age thing.
3: Yeah, um, 75% of our texters are actually under the age of 25 and 90% are under the age of 35. So our population of texters does skew young. We do a really unique service of crisis counseling. And crisis counseling is very different than talking to a therapist or talking to a friend. Um, Whenever someone comes to us and texts us, we wanna kind of immediately try to figure out what's going on. Um, And texting is a medium that really allows for that.
0: One feature of the text line that is good to know is that it's just like a hospital emergency room. They triage their calls. So if you're in crisis, particularly if you're suicidal or seriously thinking about it, make it very clear so that they move you to the front of the reply line. Of course, you can also text in less critical times using less alarming language and still have a chance to talk, but you may have to wait a few minutes longer to connect. That full episode
1: is number 103, Crisis Text Line. When it comes to suicide prevention, we really have to take actions way upstream before things get more serious and more dangerous. We don't want to be in a position of trying to save someone who's suicidal. We want to help them and ourselves to not become suicidal in the first place. Just as with any other illness, the earlier we notice symptoms and do the things we know to keep us from slipping further into unwellness, the better chance we have whether we're trying to keep ourselves or someone we care about healthy and safe in crisis we hardly do our healthiest or clearest thinking taking the time when we're well to create a plan whether it's called a crisis plan a recovery plan or a wrap plan which is an acronym for wellness recovery action plan can really make a big difference at every stage on the mental health spectrum from staying well to creating awareness and reminding us of the things we can do when we start to slip, to offering specific steps in a life-threatening crisis. And there's lots of templates out there that you can Google, because I
0: think the wording is really important, right? It's like find one that sort of resonates with you and then modify it in your own words so that it does feel like a friend, it does feel like a safety net
1: well and too like how um i know some people just want like a one page quick and easy type of safety plan and mine personally is a bit more intense because i have hospitals that i would prefer to go to and yes. i not prefer to go to people that i do want involved in my care and people i do not want involved in oh, my care oh yeah good point um, so you know it has my medication list so mine's a lot bigger than um sometimes the ones that I do with people they prefer just a one page cut and dirty like warning signs coping skills people and like the suicide prevention number or crisis line number yes um so yeah there's so much out there and you can kind of tailor it to what the person wants and what you want that full episode is number 124 the gift of a safety plan You can find tons of information about making a plan for yourself or with a loved one online. As you identify the people you'd call for support, you can have those conversations before you need to and spell out details like, hey, if I ever call you and say I'm struggling, here's what I need from you. Or even when I have suicidal thoughts, the method I consider is blank. And I want you to know where I keep my guns, pills, whatever, so that you can limit my access to them until I'm out of crisis. those are conversations that are so much easier to have and more likely to happen when we're healthy. And more likely to hear,
0: right? I mean, if somebody's not in a crisis moment, I'm able to hear them speak. Right. If someone's like freaking out and telling me what they need, that's like really different than if they say like way ahead of time, if this ever happens, you know, be like, oh, okay. I think that's a
1: great point because you're not scared when they're telling you.
0: You're not triggered for sure. I mean, I'd be like, oh, where is it? What? What? Who? Get my pen. You know? Yeah. 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 We're going to put together a list of 50 plus suicide prevention related episodes that are available in our archives of shared stories. But we want to end this episode on a hopeful note. We spoke with Justin, a college student, on his 23rd birthday. And he talked about what he's learned since his worst ever night. When he was 18, and did not want to live until 19.
4: I hit the rock bottom. I know, I, I can't speak to what you're going through personally. But I get it, you can get better. I know it seems bad. I know it seems impossible. I've had those thoughts too. I've sat there and gone, this is stupid. This is what life is like. Life is pain. I am not getting better. If I would, I'd wake up tomorrow and be happy. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. It's a long process and it's a fight. It is, but it's worth it. And you're worth it. Yes. Your life is valuable. You need to value it to yourself. And it's valuable to others that you didn't even think cared. I did write a suicide note, and it mentioned four people. So many more than four cared. And the fact that I mattered to these people, I didn't matter to myself, but for some reason, these people all saw something in me that was okay. And that was incredible to realize that.
1: I think that's probably true for a lot of us, Bridge, right? Um, Especially when we're in that place. We would certainly, I would guess, nearly unanimously underestimate the number of people who actually care about us. That can be hard enough to believe when you're in an okay or only a slightly compromised place. So good reminder. Good reminder from Justin. So to everybody listening, please believe things can get better if you are in a place where depression is telling you they can't. And please reach out For help, if you are still able to do that, and if you know anybody who you haven't been in touch with recently who struggles sometimes, especially during this pandemic, just check in. Say, are you okay? And if they say yes and you don't really believe them, ask again. Say, really? You know, and then be willing to listen because we all have to be willing to do that if we are going to prevent people from getting to that really, really critical stage where their life is on the line.
0: Everybody be nice to yourselves. Let's all do something this week or this day or this hour to um, let ourselves know that we value and care about ourselves. Until next week, take care. Thank you.